Well, I want to welcome everyone here on March 21st to the 14th podcast of the Montana DSA podcast series. That's the Democratic Socialists of Montana. The previous 13 podcasts have all been uh, published during this 2023 Montana legislative session. And our focus during those, those uh, 13 podcasts with uh, people from all across the state uh, representatives of organizations that are working to trying to monitor what's happening in the legislature or trying to head off some of the worst things that are happening there. Happening there. Um, they've focused in on lots of issues. The, the three issues that uh, we have tried to focus in on and when we've been selecting guests for the podcasts are the three that came from the Montana DSA Legislative Action Group, which was formed last fall to head off a uh, legislative referendum, uh, which was going to uh, severely interfere with uh, the rights of, uh, of mothers and, and parents uh, in the uh, care of their children who may or may not be uh, survivable at birth. And those issues, those three issues are affordable housing, secondly, abortion rights, and thirdly, uh, labor issues, the rights of workers. All of these issues are undergirded by a various set of challenges that are occurring in the current legislature to the Montana Constitution. And this past week, March 15th, several of us from the Helena DSA group, as well as uh, colleagues from across the state, uh, totaling maybe 300, 400 people, went to a rally uh, to defend the Montana Constitution. One of the speakers there was uh, retired Supreme Court Justice James C. Nelson, who has um, been very prolific in writing articles and commenting over the years, and has written many, many uh, you know, landmark decisions, uh, which we will probably get to in the course of uh, our discussion today. But Jim Nelson um, was on the Montana Supreme Court, appointed by Governor uh, Mark Roscoe uh, back in 1993 or 1993 until 2013. And since that time, he has uh, continued his activity of studying, being involved on lots of issues here in Helena. He's given um, talks about the Citizens United decision by the Supreme Court, which uh, gave corporate um, entities the same rights as uh, individuals. And so he's talked about that and how horrible a decision that was. Well, so um, Jim Nelson is our guest today, and we've asked him to talk about um, challenges to the Montana Constitution and reasons to defend it, and also to talk about the uh, various challenges, uh, including uh, Senate Bill 458, which are uh, attacking uh, our trans brothers and sisters. And so I want to welcome Jim Nelson to uh, the conversation today. Uh, and uh, ask him to uh, uh, give us a little feel for uh, what is happening concerning the Montana Constitution and his thoughts about why it's important to defend the Constitution. Thank you, Frank. Uh, and I'm so happy to be here and be a part of this podcast in this uh, very important series. I, I, I'm going to make some remarks, and I want to put those uh, in in a context for uh, our viewers, uh, this legislative session, the 2023 session, 
the supermajority Freedom Caucus, as I refer to them, uh, have proposed some 61 amendments to Montana's constitution. Uh, that is way more amendments than have been proposed uh, in the previous 50 years since the constitution was adopted. Uh, of those 61 uh, amendments, nine are directed towards the judiciary. And uh, uh, I, I think that I think our viewers need to keep that in mind that this is this is really a frontal attack on the Constitution. And let me say a few things about the Constitution. Uh, Montana's Constitution, adopted in 1972, it's 51 years old, has functioned admirably in in that period of time. Uh, as with any Constitution, ours has provided a structure for three co-equal branches of government, uh, the structure for dealing with revenue and finance, uh, the environment and natural resources, education and public lands, uh, including governance uh, of the university system by a board of regents. It has provisions dealing with local government, uh, various departments and institutions, and it uh, has provisions for amending the Constitution, including uh, amendments by citizens initiative and by referendum, which uh, uh, we're going to be facing a lot of those referenda uh, by the legislature submitting those uh, for the next general election ballot. Uh, the Constitution has provided uh, an extremely strong guarantee of, of personal rights. Uh, the Constitution, incidentally, uh, is a limitation on the power of the legislature, not a grant of power to the legislature. So the uh, rights that are enshrined in uh, Article 2, uh, the Declaration of Rights of Montana's Constitution, are extremely important. And I just uh, name a few that are, uh, that are highlighted. Uh, uh, there's... Uh, the uh, uh, rights guaranteed in Article 2, Section 3, uh, and these are inalienable rights. They're rights to seek uh, our safety, our health, our happiness in all lawful ways. And Montana's Constitution has a very important right uh, amongst those alienable rights. And that right guarantees uh, Montanans the right to a clean and healthful environment. It's a very strong right. And to make it even stronger, uh, at Article uh, 9, Section 1, the uh, framers of our Constitution and our Constitution imposes upon every person in the state, uh, every individual, every person, firm, corporation, every branch of government, the local governments, uh, the Constitution imposes a very important duty with regard to the environment. And that duty is to not only maintain the uh, environment that Montana had in 1972, but more importantly, uh, that duty involves improving the environment. And the constitution says that it's the duty of, of every one of us to maintain and improve Montana's environment and ecosystem 
and it imposes a mandatory duty, mandatory, not a discretionary duty, but a mandatory duty on the legislature to enact laws that will improve and maintain uh, Montana's environment. So it's extremely important. Uh, at Article 2, Section 4, we have uh, the right to due process of law, and we have another very important right, the right, uh, it's an inviolable right, the right to human dignity. Uh, and uh, that's a right that I think should be front and center uh, before the legislature when it uh, passes legislation uh, attacking uh, LGBTQI uh, uh, people, uh, uh, transgender people, people with disabilities. Uh, uh, that, that is a right that the legislature must focus on. Every person has that inviolable right to human dignity. Uh, we have a right to know. It, we have a right to uh, observe and obtain copies of public documents. We have the right to participate uh, in rulemaking through uh, the right of participation. We write a, another very important right Montana has uh, at Article 2, Section uh, uh, 10 is the right of uh, individual uh, privacy. This is a right that's not shared by corporations, uh, by non-human legal entities. It's a right uh, unique to human beings in Montana, the right of individual privacy. And it was the right of individual privacy uh, in which uh, our Montana Supreme Court has grounded a number of its very important landmark decisions. Uh, one that's again front and center in this legislature is the right of women to uh, choose uh, to uh, end a pregnancy, uh, choose control over their own reproductive system. And that's constitutional right in Montana, grounded in the right of individual privacy and uh, 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 made known to uh, people through the uh, Armstrong decision. Uh, there's a number of other rights. There's, there's just many that I'm not going to go into, but Montana's Declaration of Rights, uh, there's 34 rights, uh, and uh, there's probably 17 rights that are protected in Montana's Constitution that are not textually protected in the federal constitution. And that's important from the standpoint that a state can give uh, more protection to a, uh, a right that's protected under the federal constitution. Uh, if that is made so in their own constitution, you cannot provide less. And for example, our Montana Supreme Court uh, has done that in the area of search and seizure, which is of course Fourth Amendment Article 2, Section 11 in Montana's Constitution. Uh, and that uh, uh, the, our, our court has uh, read the right to be free from unreasonable search and seizures with that right of individual privacy to create a really uh, super right against unreasonable searches and seizures, again, partially grounded in that right of individual privacy. So that's very, very important. Our constitution, is, in summary, it, it, is, it has succeeded for the last 50 years in keeping the heavy foot of government out of the private lives and off the necks of, necks of Montanans. Uh, our constitution, very important to our democracy, has mandated a separation of powers, checks and balances, 
and separation of church and state. And these are critical elements of our democracy, critical elements. Without those, we don't have a democracy. The long and short of it is, and I would say this to the uh, supermajority uh, Freedom Caucus legislature, the long and short of it is, as to your 61 amendments, this constitution is not broken. It does not need fixing. And Montanans, incidentally, have overwhelmingly uh, indicated that they don't want the constitution amended or fixed in any substantive manner. There was a poll uh, the, referred to as the Middle Fork poll, uh, the results of which came out just very recently. And it's very clear that Montanans want their right of privacy. They want their right to a clean and healthful environment. They want to exercise the very strong voting rights, the suffrage rights they have in Article 2, Section 13 of the Constitution. Yet, here we are, the, the uh, Supermajority Freedom Caucus Legislature, in league with the Attorney General and the Governor, have proposed some 61 amendments to the Constitution. As I said, more than in the last 50 years. The Constitution, incidentally, has only been amended 36 times uh, in this, this last 50 years. One of those uh, 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 one of those amendments was adopted in this last election, and it provides uh, extra protections for people's electronic data against government snooping and searching. So uh, the, the, the amendments, if I could uh, maybe summarize some of those, Frank, uh, for our viewers. Uh, the amendments to the, the legislature wants to do to uh, the Constitution uh, uh, include, just to name a few, appointing rather than electing judges and justices. The idea would be to have uh, the legislature, of all people, nominate judges to the governor, and then the governor would appoint uh, a point from that uh, list. Now, what this guarantees is not elected judges uh, accountable to the people. What it guarantees is that we stack our courts with uh, uh, political flunkies, political hacks, uh, uh, stack our courts with judges that have the same uh, political ideologies and philosophies as the majority party. And that uh, that's not what people want when they go to court, uh, knowing that, that the fix is in because some judge has already committed himself to the party line. Uh, they want to do away with judicial review. And this is a, this is a review uh, whereby, the, whereby the, the court can review uh, laws and uh, statutes, constitutional amendments, or constitutionality. And if the uh, laws or statutes, the subconstitutional amendments themselves are not in accordance with the constitution, then it's the duty of the court to declare those unconstitutional and to be null and void. That's a judicial review has been in uh, our rule of law since 1803 in the Marbury versus Madison case. And of course, the present legislature wants to do away with that. Uh, in fact, they want to insert the legislature into the judicial making process. Uh, they want to marginalize the ju ju judiciary, bring it under control of the legislature, and in the process, destroy 
separation of powers, checks and balances, and the separation of church and state. I might mention at this point, and I probably should have, every one of these constitutional amendments that the legislature uh, proposes and goes on to the ballot, every one of those has to be voted on by the people, we the people, at the next general election. And the people choose whether or not they want to amend their constitution. But you're going to get a ballot if what looks like is going to happen. You're going to get a ballot that's that's uh, multi, multi pages long and filled with different 61 constitutional amendments proposed by the legislature. The public, we the people have the right to vote on each one of those. And there are some there are some things that the constitution uh, states with regard to that amendment process that are very important. Uh, you know, I just want to, Jim, I just want to say that those 61, you know, wrong-minded uh, changes that are being proposed are just one of some of hundreds of similar kinds of things based on similar ideological perspectives that are being put forth by this Republican Freedom Caucus, which uh, apparently has never really understood the Montana Constitution as you have. Because I know that you have described it uh, just now as, as being one of the most uh, progressive uh, founding documents in our country, not just, not just for the state, but compared to other states. Uh, you, you have said, and I'm quoting, this is the most progressive, people-friendly, pro-civil rights organic document of any state constitution. And that's a real challenge because we will get many of those ballots to, to look at um, in, in the next uh, election to vote on constitutional amendments. And some of those have already, one I think of especially was very, I think very detrimental. It was back in 1987, it was when the, um, Cal Winslow from the legislature proposed and got the Republican uh, dominating the legislature at that time to change one word of the constitution. The constitution had read up until it was voted out in 1987, it said citizens by reason, when by reason of uh, adversity are in need of assistance from the state shall receive state shall receive and one word was changed shall to may and it was presented in the official booklet that went out to the citizens as just a little ability to give the legislature a little more power my friend and probably your friend uh, judge gordon bennett told me we lived right next door to each other when he was still living in and alive here in my neighborhood he said if if he had been able to throw that thing off the ballot as if it's deceptive language as uh, ratified by the Secretary of State at that time, he would have, but it wasn't. And, it, and so by 53% to 47%, that constitutional change was in there to um, not allow low-income groups and others to challenge unfair and uh, punitive actions against poor people in Montana. So these things are really crucial and well, you're fighting against them is important yeah well and it's it's interesting you mentioned that that little change uh, uh in uh, with regard to uh public assistance to poor people uh as i mentioned earlier in my remarks uh 
uh, Article 2, Section, uh, or Article 9, excuse me, Section 1, uh, provides some very, very strong mandatory duties on the part of the legislature to pass laws uh, to protect our environment and ecosystem. And all of those are written in mandatory form using the word shall. Not may, but shall. In the law, shall is mandatory. You have to do it. If you got may, that's discretionary. They can do what they want. Uh, so that's another part of, of what's coming down the pike uh, for people to vote on, uh, is weakening of those particular laws and our right to a clean and healthful environment. And that's, that, that's just a fool's errand in this day and age when we're facing uh, climate change uh, problems. Uh, we see those all over the world and it's only gonna get worse. And uh, we need to double down on protecting the environment, uh, getting rid of fossil fuels uh, and moving to clean energy. We need to double down on that, not throw the constitutional mandatory, mandatory requirement out that, uh, that the environment uh, be protected. And in our, our preamble in the Constitution and uh, Article 9, Section 1, the language says that to, to not only maintain, but to improve. And they say for this generation and for future generations. So the framers of our Constitution had in mind that, uh, that the environment was going to be continually degraded, which it was in 1972, but not to the extent that it is now. Uh, here's, here's a statistic that's mind-boggling. Half, half of the carbon uploaded into the atmosphere, uh, half of it has been uploaded in the last generation. Think of that. The last generation, we've done more damage to the environment in the last generation that, is, that occurred in the 3.7 billion years uh, before. That's just, it, it is, it, it's truly mind-boggling. Uh, I think that these, some of these amendments that are being proposed are designed to either eliminate altogether or to weaken the right to inviolable human dignity. Uh, certainly the right of individual privacy, that's gonna be, uh, be attacked on a number of fronts uh, by this uh, legislature, the elimination of women's access to abortion services and to control their own bodies and reproductive systems. Uh, a lot of these I think are designed to keep women quote in their places, whatever that place is supposed to be according to them. Uh, already the legislature has adopted statutes that make uh, the right of citizens to uh, amend their constitution by initiative, uh, really too costly, too time consuming, and too burdensome to even use. Uh, the constitution in very, very simple terms gives we the people the right to amend the constitution by way of citizens initiative. It's free. Constitution gives you this right. So what do the attorney general, the legislature do, and the governor? Well, they imposed a whole statutory scheme on top of that right to propose and enact uh, and initiatives. And the final uh, insult uh, that occurred just recently, uh, they're gonna now charge you uh, $3,780 to file 
uh, a SIDS initiative. And what's that $3,780 for? Well, it's to pay for the costs of all the bureaucracy they've imposed on it in previous sessions and in this session. So it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, they're going to make voting more difficult. There's been a number of, uh, in the last session, the 2021 session, uh, they proposed a number of different statutes to make it more burdensome to vote. And I will tell you that Montana has one of the strongest suffrage provisions of any uh, uh, constitution in the United States. Uh, it's it, uh, Article 2, Section 13. It's extremely strong. And it actually prohibits the very kind of laws that are being passed to make it harder. But uh, one thing that the legislature is just bent on doing is ousting the Board of Regents as the governing body of the university system. Why do they want to do that? So they can pass laws giving every kid on campus the right to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, and if I, I can think of no worse place, uh, my opinion, obviously, I can think of no worse place to grant people the right to carry guns is on a college campus. Uh, I've been to college, you've been to college, you know what colleges are. You know, two people get in a fight over a six pack of beer or whose girlfriend is somebody else's girlfriend. And pretty soon they start pulling out guns and shooting each other. That's, it's nuts. Uh, so to answer your question, Frank, that's what the constitution does. And that's why it's so important that we continue to support our constitution and fight against these amendments. And when they come out on the ballot, ballot vote against them. So what's, you, uh, part of your question was, what's behind these efforts? Three things in my opinion. The supermajority Freedom Caucus is following the extreme Trump, Trump wing of the Republican Party's national playbook to establish the legislature as the one all-powerful branch with the judiciary under its thumb and with a weakened executive. And we're undergoing that power grab right now. Uh, it's this, these statutes and, and amendments and so forth are not being proposed just for the state of Montana. Uh, every red state in the, in the country is going through this same process, and it's all dictated from high above, from the RNC and various uh, right-wing think tanks, the Cato Institute, Heritage Foundation, uh, Focus on the Family, uh, the uh, United States Chamber of Commerce, the Koch brothers, uh, all of this stuff is trickling down. They like trickle-down economics. They love trickle-down legislation, and that's what's happening. Uh, uh, number two, uh, this whole process, besides establishing the legislature as a, the one and only branch, the whole of this process is to establish white Christian nationalism as the governmental philosophy instead of democracy. Uh, keep in mind that white Christian nationalism, uh, although it has been adopted in some countries like Germany and Denmark, uh, but it's also the uh, the religion, the democratic or the government paradigm uh, uh, of, of dictators all over the world. Putin, uh, Viktor Orban, 
Adolf Hitler. They all subscribe to white Christian nationalism. Uh, and again, it's uh, to establish Christianity as the state religion in this country against whatever the First Amendment happens to say prohibiting that. Uh, and uh, it's to establish white people uh, again as the governing the governing race, if you will. So uh, number three, in, in line with the first two I already mentioned, uh, the end game here is to establish a white Christian nationalist authoritarian government at the state level and uh, in line with those attempts to do the same thing at the national level. Uh, Trump and his reactionary cult are in love with white Christian nationalist authoritarian governments, as I mentioned, Putin's government in Russia, Viktor Orban's in, in Hungary, for example. Uh, these people, including Donald Trump, and he said this, uh, these people view democracy as a failure, uh, that society is best ruled, and I say ruled, but not governed. Democracy, in a democracy, people are governed. In, a, in an autocracy, in an authoritarian government, a dictatorship, people are ruled. Uh, what, the, what the dictator says goes. And that's uh, society is best ruled by an authoritarian regime, again, grounded in white uh, Christian nationalism. So uh, I'd, I'd offer a couple of things if, you're, if your viewers or viewers want to uh, uh, do a little more research. There was an excellent a uh, piece in the New York Times uh, in uh, January, January 11th, written by Abe Street, and it was called How Montana Took a Hard Right Toward Christian Nationalism. It's a fascinating article. It uh, has quotes in it from some of our legislators, uh, quotes from the Attorney General, uh, some from the Governor, uh, but it's, it's worth a read if you can get a hold of that. Uh, and then there's uh, this poll that I mentioned, uh, which is worth, worth looking into, the uh, Middle Fork poll. Uh, and uh, the, there, was, there was another uh, survey that was done just recently by, uh, let's see, uh, Public Religion Research Institute, I believe that uh, talked about uh, how generally people, we the people, don't want a white Christian nationalist government. And it's kind of, at least according to this article, uh, this article is written by Jennifer Rubin uh, in the Washington Post. Uh, it was March 19th of 2023, entitled Why White Christian Nationalists are in such a panic, and it uh, uh, gives a lot of statistics from this uh, PRRI survey, Census of American Religion, uh, how this whole philosophy is, is not what people want, not what we the people want. And it's panicking these white Christian evangelists that are trying to play catch up. So oh, the irony of, of, of some of that for me is that, uh, I mean, I've been all across Montana too, and I know that people in every little community, whether it's uh, Helena or you know, Great Falls or Glendive or uh, Medicine Lake, 
and lots of places in between. Wolf Point are good people. And these uh, white Christian nationalists, of course, have nothing to do with Christianity as understood by most Christians on earth. They see that it's a perversion of, of Christianity. Um, and it's just a tragedy that that is somehow managed to translate uh, into a majority in the Montana State Legislature. Um, that's a long-term struggle to change those majorities. But in the meantime, we have you know the 61 challenges that you've presented, plus uh, many others. Um, and of course, the Democratic Socialists of America um, have been branded as uh, socialist dictators. That has nothing to do with democratic socialism, uh, whose essence is to have all aspects of society and economy and politics democratically controlled, uh, not and um, not dominated by corporations. So I guess the other book that I'd mention or you've mentioned to me before is that book called "We the Corporation," which is uh, you know part of that whole um, scene of discovering how. Uh, the Koch brothers and all the, some of the groups you mentioned before, the Western Traditions Partnership and others, have been undermining democracy on behalf of uh, corporate people who, who want uh, people to be uh, ruled, not uh, governed by democratic means. So it's a great, great challenge. Well, and these 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 people you mentioned, these super billionaires, uh, you know, this is to them, this is all about power and greed. Uh, we have a, a vast income inequality in the in the United States right now. I mean, the uh, the top. Oh, I, I I'm not going to get the statistic right, so I'm not going to say it. But but the top percentages of 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 these super rich people uh, have more assets than the bottom ninety percent, uh, and uh, the, so people are suffering from that. Uh, we don't have much of a middle class anymore, and uh, uh, it's it, with them. It's all about power and greed, and uh, with a lot of the people you see in Congress, it's a revolving door between Congress and corporate America. Uh, the amounts of money that are that are given to various uh, members of Congress, and that money doesn't come for free. It comes it comes with an implicit promise. To do what these donors want. That's how things operate. And that's wrong. It, it just, it, it's a perversion of government. It most certainly, as you point out, Frank, a perversion of Christianity and what Christ actually taught. Uh, 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 it, it's a perversion all across the board. Uh, it's been said that power corrupts enough, enough of it corrupts absolutely. I will tell you that money corrupts, and enough of that corrupts absolutely as well. And that's, I think, uh, I think what we're what we're up against, and what what people just have to fight. We have to stand up. We either fight for democracy or we lose it. Democracy is not a spectator sport. You can't just sit by and watch it happen. And all too often in this country and our state, uh, people have taken democracy for for granted. And we have for many years. Uh, I'm I'm sure I did, uh, but all of a sudden, that has now come home to roost. 
and we can't sit idly back and and let our democracy be taken from us anymore. Of course, I know that you have been in your in the course of your Supreme Court uh, career as a judge there uh, were instrumental in in uh, pushing those uh, basic rights into areas where the uh, the fundamentalists uh, who did not like lesbians or gays or were were not against were not for the rights of women to uh, uh, choose their own reproductive uh, uh, futures. I know that you were instrumental in 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 those uh, situations of uh, in the in the case of Grison versus the state. My friend Linda Grison, good friend, uh, who was the first uh, lesbian to be married as a result of the decision that you were intimately involved in writing back in. Uh, and I married. And you you were the the judge. I, <laughs> that I, married conducted, I conducted the ceremony. Yeah. It was Linda Greisen and my other friend Constance Insweiler. Yeah. And and of course you were also instrumental in the 1999 Armstrong decision, um, which you might want to say a little bit about, uh, just to show about what how the the good parts of our constitution have been used to protect rights. Well, uh, yeah, I can say a little bit about the Armstrong decision, but let me let me say something first in more general terms. Uh, and you mentioned uh, uh, the Grison decision, uh, the Armstrong decision, and uh, our court has handed down a number of other decisions that uh, deal with the rights of, of LGBTQ people and so forth. Here's here's the thing, though, Frank, and I I read something just this morning that uh, I just I, I'm I'm always offended when I hear it, and it's so wrong and. Uh, the person was talking about uh, LGBTQ people and transgender people and, and, and their lifestyle choice. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's scientifically wrong. You know, people don't choose to be gay or they choose to be transgender and suffer from transgender, uh, uh, gender dys, uh, dysphoria, which is what it's called. People are born, they're hardwired as the way they are. And, and our job, uh, I believe, and our constitution, I think, supports this notion. Our job is to accept people uh, for who they are, where they're at in life, and to accept them as our brothers and sisters. Each one of us, each person uh, enjoys that inviolable right of human dignity. And uh, uh, we, we we're a society that, that just thrives on categorizing people. Well, this person has a lifestyle choice and, and that's nonsense. These people are born the way they're born and it's up to us to accept them. And uh, I, I'm just eternally offended by that notion that, that people choose to be different. Most people don't choose to be different. They are different because that's the way they were born. And it's our job to accept those people uh, who they are and where they're at and to respect their human dignity. Uh, talked about the Armstrong decision that came up to the court. Uh, uh, some laws were uh, passed up, uh, by, passed the legislature to basically make it very difficult for women uh, in Flathead County uh, to get uh, abortion services. Flathead County was about the only place in the state to get these services at the time. 
uh, and it had to do with uh, trying to uh, make it more difficult for physician's assistants certified to perform a patient abortion service. Came up to the court, it was challenged as being unconstitutional. It came up to the court and uh, the Montana Supreme Court, uh, after oral arguments and uh, just tons of briefing, uh, determined that, uh, that women were entitled to uh, obtain abortion services to govern their own reproductive systems as a component of that right of individual privacy that I mentioned in my previous remarks, Article 2, Section 10. It's a very broad right. It, it, we've expanded search and seizure rights. Uh, we've expanded uh, the rights of people with their private medical records, uh, their private information. Uh, we've, we've, uh, the, the court has used that right uh, to uh, ex expand a number of other rights. And, and the court ruled that as a, a personal autonomy component of that right of individual privacy, women have the right to seek uh, abortion services uh, with uh, the consultation with their healthcare provider and without the government in being involved in that. You know, the government has no business practicing medicine and these are medical decisions uh, that, that, uh, that women have to make sometimes. And sometimes they're difficult, very difficult for women to make, but they have to. Uh, and it's it's up to it's up to I think the Constitution and the Constitution does protect that autonomy when to make those decisions uh, as a component of that right of individual privacy. Of course, that's under attack. One of those or more of those amendments I talked about is going to take aim uh, uh, that right uh, that right to choose has a great big target on its back uh, with this legislature. People are going to uh, have the opportunity to vote vote on those amendments. So yes, the what the legislature I was going to mention has has one bill specifically going after the Armstrong decision, as I read it, saying that uh, Article Two and the right of privacy within Article Two uh, is not, according to this legislature, um, to be used to defend the right to abortion. So they're, they're going right after the uh, the basics of, of Armstrong, as I, as at least part of it, as I understand it. Well, yeah, and I, there was a statute passed to that effect. Uh, and uh, as probably most first-year law students would tell you, and uh, probably a number of persons on the street, if you contacted them, you can't amend the Constitution with the statute. If you're going to amend the Constitution or some provision in the Constitution, some right in the Constitution, it takes an amendment to the Constitution. Uh, if, if, if the legislature could amend the Constitution simply by passing a bunch of statutes, we wouldn't have a Constitution left. Uh, I mean, they're, right now what they're doing is basically shoving the Constitution into a, into a fan and seeing what comes out at the other side and sticks. And uh, so it's, it's, we're in a very dangerous situation with this session. The last topic that I'd like to discuss with you, Jim, is related to an article that you wrote about Senate Bill 458, which is the anti-trans bill. And of course, uh, legislators who have been proposing uh, 
SB 458 have said uh, to me in, in response to letters that I've written to them that, that they're just following the science on this and they want to define sex according to the current scientific understanding. But uh, from the article you wrote um, in the uh, journal Counterpunch, uh, you say that's uh, not quite accurate <laughs> to understate. They're not following science, Frank. They're following Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 27, which uh, defines uh, human beings as being uh, male or female. And uh, the, the, to get back to, to, the, to the Senate bill itself, uh, you know, I mentioned that, that right of inviolable human dignity, uh, Article 2, Section 4. Uh, and let me just read that. It's very short. Uh, the dignity of the human being is inviolable. Neither the state nor, nor any person, firm, corporation, or institution shall discriminate against any person in the exercise of his civil or political rights on account of, among other things, sex. So bottom line is that discrimination based on sex is absolutely prohibited as a matter of constitutional law and it can't, can't be legalized uh, by uh, adopting a scientifically flawed, religiously grounded statute, which is what Senate Bill 458 is. Uh, it's a 64-page bill, and it attempts to define sex and sexuality uh, in pertinent part in the following manner. And I quote, in human beings, there are exactly two sexes male and female, with two corresponding gametes. Uh, now, as I mentioned, that's exactly the way the Bible describes, describes sex. Two, two sexes, male and female. Uh, and it defines, the bill defines females as, uh, uh, as, a, as a sex that produces large and mobile eggs, and males as the sex that uh, produces small mobile sperm. Uh, both of those use a qualifier under normal development, which leads one to a conclusion uh, that apparently people who don't develop normally and may not be able to produce large mobile eggs or small mobile sperm, those people apparently are disqualified from being either female or male uh, because they don't fit within that that cramped definition that the legislature has proposed. And then, then the bill goes on. Uh, I'm having what I what I pointed out in the uh, op-ed I wrote, uh, medicine and science, contrary to what the legislature thinks apparently, uh, does not define uh, just two classes of sex, male and female. There's an, and there's another class, uh, general, uh, generally uh, referred to as intersex, I-N-T-E-R-A-S-E-X, uh, and those human beings are born uh, with a combination of male and female uh, biological traits. Uh, these persons uh, can be born with any of 
several sex characteristics, including chromosomal patterns, gonads, reproductive or sexual autonomy or genitals that do not fit within the typical definitions of male and female, and most certainly not within the definitions of Senate Bill 458. Uh, in fact, there exist uh, some 30 different intersex variations, each with its own name and description. Uh, and I, I, you know, word limitations of time don't permit going into each of those. But uh, intersex conditions, and I pointed this out before, these are not lifestyle choices. Uh, intersex conditions may be caused by hormonal factors, by chromosomal factors. But the important point is, again, as I pointed out, intersex individuals uh, are hardwired to be that way. They're, they're, that's just the way they were born. And our job is, is to not make them social outcasts or uh, uh, classify them uh, in some fashion that uh, uh, legalizes discrimination. And it really does. Uh, if, if, if they don't fit within the definition of sex as proposed by the legislature, then apparently they have a target on their back and uh, it's okay to discriminate against these individuals because they don't fit within these definitions of sex. So I think it's a, it's a real problem. And I, if, if, if the effect of this legislation is to legalize discrimination against intersex individuals or LGBTQI uh, individuals or transgender individuals, if it's designed to do that, if that's the effect of it, it's not going to pass constitutional muster when it's challenged. And I believe it probably will be challenged. It should be challenged if it passes. So that's that's what that was all about. Well, Jim, um, our time for our interview is just coming to a close, but I want to um, just thank you for your um, thoughtfulness, uh, not only in our conversation here, but in all the times I've heard you speak. and. Uh, um, it seems dozens of articles that you've written. You're constantly studying. Um, you're what we would call a zetetic, uh, Z-E-T-E-T-I-C, uh, a searcher, uh, a searcher for truth, zetetic. And uh, that's what I like. I have not heard that word before. Thank you. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that word until a, a person uh, used that term of a favorite uh, scholar of mine, John Oman, said he was a zetetic. So I looked it up and I said, you bet, John Oman is a zetetic. He was a nonconformist um, Christian who uh, didn't buy any of these quite Christian nationalist ideas, you know, 100 years ago and wouldn't buy them now. Um, so let me give you a chance, Jim, just to uh, maybe say whatever else you might want to say uh, uh, to sum up our discussions for today? Well, I guess the only thing I'd say, Frank, and I'll, I'll try to be very brief on this. I, uh, Montana's constitution is the most progressive uh, people-oriented constitution in the country. And uh, we, the people, we have to stand up and support our, our, our constitution and to save it from what's going on with this legislative session. Uh, as I said, democracy uh, is not a spectator sport. We've taken taken our democracy, uh, the, the great freedoms that we have, the great rights that we have, we've taken those for granted. 
for just all too long, and we can't afford to do that anymore. We're we're in a climate crisis. We're in a crisis with with any number of things going on in our country right now, and uh, we just have to get involved. If we don't, we don't fight like hell to save it. We're going to lose it. It's that simple. And uh, we've got to save our court system. We've got to save this third branch of government from what's going on. Uh, I will tell you this, that uh, and I, I closed my speech at the Constitutional Rally on March 14th at the Capitol uh, with this, uh, that uh, the only thing standing between we the people and a tyranny of the majority is our fair, independent, impartial elected court system and our constitution. If we're, if we're gonna save our democracy, we've gotta save our courts, we've gotta save our constitution. And uh, that's the challenge that I leave with our viewers today. It's a big challenge, but we the people, we, we've met challenges like this in the past, we're capable of meeting them again in the future, and we must do so now to save our country and our state. Well, Jim, I want to thank you. And, and uh, just I want to mention, too, that uh, people have seen the uh, conversationalist uh, Jim Nelson in this conversation. But if they would like to see the speech maker uh, as, as he was on March 15th at the Constitutional Rally here in Helena, uh, there were about 300 people there who were privileged to be there just as Jim delivered the speech, not with these gentle tones as he did here, but in a, you know, a rousing way, a very rousing way. So you see a little bit of a different Jim Nelson, but it is available uh, online through Helena Civic Television. You can get that uh, at Helena Civic Television. You go to their on-demand videos and it's video number 4391. So I encourage everyone to uh, go there. And if possible, we're going to try to uh, attach uh, that video to this podcast as well. Yeah, and Frank, uh, I, would, just... I, I would mention, I mean to interrupt, but I would mention that, that all of the speakers are featured on that video. Uh, Maine Ann Ellingson, who was the original constitution delegate, uh, John Sullivan uh, from doing the, uh, the held lawsuit in, in Flathead County on the environment, a number of other really great speakers. And uh, I, I encourage your viewers to watch the whole video. It's excellent. Uh, you'll see uh, you'll see the, the Montanans there, very energetic uh, and uh, uh, making no bones about what they want of this legislature. It's an excellent, excellent video. I'd recommend though, watch the whole thing. Well worth it. But if you only can watch uh, one portion of it, go to the 20 minute mark and there'll be Jim Nelson. <laughs> and that is really good, really good. As well as Mayna and Alex and Tahin Perez from Native American Voice, Western Native Voice rather. Uh, so Jim, thank you very much for being with us today. And thank you to all of our listeners here on the Montana Democratic Socialists of America podcast series. Thank you, Frank.